The Hogs are going to Omaha. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. You can actually feel Razorback Stadium shaking underneath our feet right now. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Arkansas wins a national championship. What I say when it comes to this basketball team is the law. Absolutely and without discussion. Oh, Ty was a warrior. The Hawks are going to Omaha. Trackouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. Throw some ground ball. It's more democratic. Borderline erotic. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Even shows that don't talk sports might actually bring up uh, the topic that uh, that's the hot meal ticket now uh, for sports radio. And we got about, what, five minutes of it yesterday? The announcement came through from the Razorback Twitter feed. Uh, I think as we were as we were interviewing Bill King, it came on. And, and usually we'd ask Bill King, a uh, great sports radio host out of Nashville, uh, who is the king of college football talk, we'd ask him, what he thinks an impact of Arkansas UAPB could have on football across Arkansas and really a, a, upon both programs, but I don't think he'd have much of an answer to give. I mean, this is the sort of topic uh, that doesn't register nationally, but really registers big time across the entire listening audience here, uh, really, and from the four corner corners of the state. It, it's a topic that has gained steam uh, really over the last I'd say about eight or nine months, and uh, has been sort of building towards the announcement that came out yesterday. And I know that some people think that it's building towards other announcements involving other schools that aren't necessarily within the U of A system. But I don't know if I if I would take it that far. Uh, it's funny, you know, Arkansas sometimes doesn't register nationally, and we know that as Arkansans. But inside the state, there are certain things that will definitely. Uh, get the the topics of conversation up. One of them is the Little Rock, the, the 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 Little Rock debate, the Great Stadium debate, which nobody really outside of Arkansas really had ever heard about. Uh, that it was a that it was a big deal, um, and but man, I mean, they still talk about it 25 years after the debate started, and it's still not even finished. Uh, and and that's the same with Arkansas playing UAPB in football, and, and of course it started with with it started with baseball. Uh, it started with uh, baseball first playing Little Rock in a, in an exhibition game in in Little Rock uh, in October, and then and then just a little bit after that, the announcement about a a uh, natural state series, what Arkansas baseball had called their two games against the in-state schools, with Little Rock Trojans uh, actually beating the bejesus out of a great Razorback baseball team uh, about a month ago. And then Arkansas crushing UAPB, uh, of course, the same day that the softball teams met. And and Hunter Yurichek had kind of gone on uh, a spree of some sports talk shows across the state. And he's going to get the question about, are we going to see football? And he made it clear. He made it clear that this was something that is up to the coaches. It's it's not it's not demanded. It's not necessary that you have to schedule in-state schools. Uh, but it's allowed now. Now it is allowed, but it's supposed to be within the context of the University of Arkansas system, which leaves you with just two options in a state that has three schools that play Division One athletics inside the U of A system, and only two of them play football. So then it leaves you with one option if you're going to schedule football, and it happens to be a program that is 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 amongst the drags of college football when when it comes right down to it uh, UAPB is near the bottom of the barrel uh, as far as success I haven't had a winning season since 2012 you routinely see 2 and 9 1 and 10 uh, not not necessarily the sort of program that the best players in the country are scratching and clawing to play for not even one of the programs out of the Southwestern Athletic Conference that that, that that the athletes are, are are looking to play for it's a it's a program that's that's down near the bottom of the barrel but that's what arkansas is able to schedule and i'll tell you what i like it i like this decision and i think it's been probably a long time coming ty you know i come from a different perspective than just somebody that talks about arkansas razorback athletics broadcasts for them you know and 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 is attached to some of these programs in, in very close ways 
from from my previous time working for the Arkansas Travelers, from my time working for when they were called UALR, I can see it from the other side where you've been wondering, is this anything like this ever going to happen? Are we ever going to be at least acknowledged? Invited ag- to the party. Acknowledge that you are you're something within the state that is worth scheduling or just worth paying a little bit more attention to, to sharing some of that spotlight that is so brightly shined on, on Razorback Athletics. So, and I think the, the, that mostly the reception to all of these other sports that have scheduled in-state schools has been positive. Even with the loss in baseball to, to Little Rock, the sky didn't fall. In fact, Arkansas has been kicking butt ever since. Um, maybe it was a good thing. Maybe a DVH used his motivation. It's like you just lost to this in-state school that you've been clamoring to play for for so long, and you got your tails, your teeth kicked in. Maybe that's what he used it for. Yeah, and football's a different thing, though. You know, in baseball, you've got to schedule fifty-six games a year. Yeah, it's a little difficult to do, and so it helps to now have a couple of other schools that you are allowed to schedule. Uh, for for basketball, I think it's. I think it isn't quite as simple as we think because they play 30 games. I still think there are other aspects into it, and so I'm not sure if men's basketball will be scheduling within the next year or so. I do think women's basketball is going to. Football, I mean, you're talking about you only have three non- four non-conference games a year that you can schedule, um, and you schedule them so far out. But I, don't, I, I tell you what, when you look every single year, Arkansas plays a cupcake, whether it's Tennessee Martin, whether it's Eastern Illinois, whether it's Florida A and M, whether it's you know a team that's uh, that's in the Division One Double A, the the old Double A, they schedule the they schedule the team like this every single year. UAPB is kind of is in that category. That's there. That's a cupcake team that would be coming in. what is it? Twenty twenty one was the first game scheduled. Yeah, twenty twenty one and twenty twenty four. Twenty four. You got Texas that year, and then twenty twenty four is when you start that series, I believe, with Oklahoma State. I don't see how this hurts you at all. I don't. I don't see how it has the potential to hurt. The only way it does is if you lose. You're not going to lose. They're not going to lose to UAPB. It's. I just don't see it as as something that would be that would be possible when, when, unless unless they get. A heck of a lot better, unless the Golden Lions get a heck of a lot better in the next two years and trend that program in a way that that, that is completely unexpected. And, and, and also the other thing is Arkansas has got to stay where they are, where that's not happening. I mean, this year's team, who knows what would have happened with 2018. They could have lost anybody. Here, but go, sorry. I was just finish. saying, but, but I think in a couple of years – you're going to be so much better. To me, I don't see how this hurts you at all. I, I, you know, and I know part of the topic of conversation is what does Arkansas get out of this? But that has I don't know to be if you need point. to have. I don't know if you have to have something tangible to say. Well, we get this amount of dollars from it. What, it, what I feel, what I feel like it, it it generates is is goodwill, and it's going to generate a win against a team that you'd already be scheduling somebody that you're going to get a victory against. What's what's the problem if it's somebody that's from in-state? Well, I think that's what you have to ask yourself if you're Hunter Juracek, the Board of Administration, and the rest of the administration within the Arkansas Athletics Department because they don't have to do this. And I think you kind of glossed over it a little bit when you said there's nothing tangible that you can see. That should be a big issue, I think. Now, with baseball... As we've mentioned several times, it really seems like unless he's just completely lying, which doesn't seem like that's Dave Van Horn's M.O., he's going to tell you what he thinks, he wants to play the in-state schools in baseball. And that seems to be a big thing for him and his baseball program because they're trying to grow baseball within the state of Arkansas. With basketball, with that one game you play in North Little Rock, I don't have a problem with you playing UAPB or, or, or UALR. I don't think that's a big issue at all. Football is a completely different realm when it comes to that. And it just goes back to what is the Arkansas athletic program, specifically the Arkansas football program, benefit about this? We are stationed here in Fort Smith, Hot Springs, River Valley, uh, Harrison. Like Our area coverage is probably 95 to 99% Arkansas Razorback fans. Now, there may be some give and takes here and there, some Pine Bluff fans here, some... You all are Trojans fans here, but our radio program, Phil, day in, day out, is pretty much dedicated to a Razorback football, Razorback basketball, Razorback baseball, 
and SEC football. And so that being said, I, I we're, we're so dedicated on this, and I just I can't find something. You mentioned tangible, and I know it's an issue of like goodwill, but like w- what does Arkansas benefit out of this? The fact that now college is outside of, and I know that's within the school system, but I, I just don't I don't I don't see enough there that warrants playing in-state schools in football. Now, specifically, I, I, I'm, I've hammered this before. I think football is the biggest issue. I don't care about basketball. I think that's great. Don't care about baseball. I'd hope they continue to play the baseball, and it doesn't look like they're stopping anytime soon. But it just doesn't seem like there's anything solid, rock solid, that you can bring to me. Tell me on the phone. Text me and say, this is why Arkansas should play in-state schools in football. And I get the aspect that they're only trying to play schools within the system with UAPB and UALR. But what you do when you start this is you're just going to open Pandora's box a little bit more. Inching, it doesn't take a lot for people to inch their way into conversations and say, oh, well, you're playing UALR, you're playing UAPB, now you should play Arkansas State on the football field. Because that's the end goal for the Arkansas State fans and even some Arkansas fans in Little Rock who want there to be a game between Arkansas State and Arkansas. And if that happens... I just think that is a terrible decision for the University of Arkansas Athletics Department because at that point, even if you played them at home in Fayetteville, I think you're giving away something that you never had to do and begin with. And I don't agree with everything Frank Broyles did with Arkansas, but I think he was right to a certain extent on not playing in-state schools, especially in football, not as much in basketball and baseball. But I just I, I don't know if I'm 100% on board with this. I think we're on different sides of the fence on this one, Phil. Well, I think you've got to be able to separate two things here. One, n- no, nobody nobody cares about what the Arkansas State fans want from this because they're they're not a part of this. This I, th- I think the, the but they're going to try and inch their way into it. That's what I'm saying. Go ahead and try to inch your way into it. There is there is a there is a policy now. There is a policy, and of, there was we, a policy that you the are you are made. not. You are not included. How long did it take for this policy to change to what it is to what it is now? Frank Broyles retired in two thousand eight, so about a little over ten years. That's not that much time. That's not too long. I'm and that saying. was a policy that was set in stone. Phil, they hadn't played an in state school in football since World War Two. World War Two. You know sure. how long ago that was? And sure. so for like that to just completely change in ten years. And we're moving to a more of a progressive society where new ideas and welcomed and whatnot. I don't think it's that far off of a possibility that the U of A Arkansas Athletics Department decides, hey, let's play Arkansas State. And I'm, I, th- I think it's an unfounded fear. I think that, that it that should be for, a fear. For, Arkansas fans should be ticked off. I if that think would it's happen. an unfounded fear, not just a fear. It's unfounded. There is no proof whatsoever that would show that there is any slippery slope towards taking a series that's once every three years, just a two-year contract that's two games once once in a three-year period, or pardon me, twice in a three-year period, and extend that to a completely other university outside the umbrella of the U of A system. That's taking, that's taking a fear that the fan base has and amplifying it out to right now what is an illogical conclusion that I don't think that's the direction this is going in. Now, if you're looking for if you're looking for something tangible from this game, like a benefit for the athletic department, let me remove the UAPB aspect from it and say, what tangible positives does Arkansas get from beating Eastern Illinois, fifty-five to twenty? None. What benefits that you can tangibly place do they get from scheduling Florida A&M? And walloping them forty-nine to seven when you end up finishing four and eight, nothing. What tangible benefits are there from scheduling Alcorn State and beating them by forty-two points? Just so that's the year that you end up getting six victories, and that was your lucky the way you scheduled it. That was your sixth win. There are no tangible benefits to scheduling UT Martin. That's that's my whole point here. You have to schedule X amount of games a year. Every single season, there's always a cupcake in there. Arkansas had no business winning two games last year against Division One football teams. They they won one. They won a game against a legitimate Division One team, and that Tulsa team wasn't even really legitimate. Eastern Illinois didn't do anything for. They didn't even sell it out for them. That you don't have to have a tangible benefit for scheduling a cupcake. You just you schedule one every year. 
What's wrong if it's a, if it's a team from inside the state? I'm not saying this leads to scheduling Arkansas State. UAPB football and Arkansas State football are on two completely different levels. Arkansas State is a good mid-major program. If you're going to schedule a program like that, you better be damn sure you're going to beat them. You schedule Arkansas Pine Bluff, you're going to beat them. Even in one of your worst years, you're going to beat them. And it does generate goodwill. And I think that that actually is the, you can't, you know, touch goodwill. What, you, but what is you it going to do? You can't put a price on it. What is that going to do, though? That's what my question gonna, is for you. It's just going to end up being, it's going to end up being another game. <laughs> that is, you're going to have the amount of people that were there. You probably have more people there, you know, just because it's an in-state school the first time you do it, you know, or maybe the second time you do it. And then after that, it loses, it loses a little bit of its luster, um, you know, and, uh, uh, unless Pine Bluff gets better, unless they they rise to the point to where me maybe they are a, a halfway decent team out of the swag. I just I just don't I don't think that it has to be about what tangible benefit do you get. You you don't have you're not going to have a tangible benefit from scheduling every team. It's just because every year there's a cupcake, and it might as well be this one. I don't have a problem with, and I don't think I, I understand the fear for not wanting to schedule Arkansas State. I'm not saying that 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 that's what it should lead to, or that's what you should be doing. It's one thing at a time, and I don't think you're anywhere close, nowhere close, to to ske- to scheduling Arkansas State in football, in baseball, in basketball, in anything else. It's been to me right now. It is crystal clear um, from from Hunter Yurichek and from the athletic department that. This is to be done within the U of A system, and and I can only take them at their at their word for that. And I'm, I I won't project far down the road for for an Arkansas State football series because I don't think that's where it's going. All right, three things on that. One, if you would have asked someone ten years ago and said, "Do you anticipate Arkansas playing the other schools in state at any point in time in the next twenty or thirty years?" I would suspect that the polling would result drastically in the answer no. I don't think anyone would have anticipated. But we've changed. We got a new regime under Jeff Long. He stuck with a lot of Frank Burrell's policies, and then you go into another one with her year check. So that's changed. So I don't know. I don't know if I can believe that that's not going to happen anytime soon, based on what just happened. Number two, there's a lot of big time college football programs that you can look at, whether it's LSU whether it's Michigan, a lot of the blue bloods out there, they play in-state schools. You know why? Because their athletic department, specifically in the football program, is so far ahead of Arkansas that they're in no threat whatsoever of losing fans, of losing players to those other schools. It's not even a comparison at this point. But because of what happened has happened with Arkansas football these last few years, and because the excess that Blake Anderson has had up in Northeast Arkansas with the Red Wolves, that's actually a comparison people want to see. And that should scare the Arkansas Athletic Department that certain, even Arkansas fans, Phil, think that Arkansas State would stand a chance in that game. Because no one was chirping back in 2011 or 2010 when Arkansas was going to a BCS bowl game and then they got to a Cotton Bowl when they lost to the two best teams in college football. No Arkansas State fan was saying then. But that's how far you've fallen. We talk about the basketball program falling, and I know it's been a lot longer for them since they haven't been to a Sweet 16 since 96, haven't been the AP Top 10 since 95. But the football program, compared to where it was about eight or nine years ago, it has dropped off tremendously. Last thing I want to get in here, you think about what Hunter Juracek said and why they ended up doing this. He said, to enhance interest in college football throughout our state while supporting other schools within the University of Arkansas system. I just can't get in line with that. You know why? Because college football in this state is the number one sport, the number one most watched the number I don't know about played because you kind of you got some of the like the head injury and the CTE stuff that's coming out that's going on so I can't get on board with that with saying it's the number one but it doesn't need any more interest across the state Phil it's one basketball's two and baseball three baseball needs a reason to play other in-state schools Dave Van Horn has talked about it helps grow the brand Arkansas football doesn't need any brand growing within the state. Now, you can talk about nationally how they need it across the board because they've lost some of its luster since the 2010-2011 season, but when it comes to inside the state of Arkansas, you don't need to enhance your brand from Arkansas football because it's already the biggest powerhouse in the state when it comes to sports. 
I just hear I hear too much fear of of slip sliding into a place where where you're just not going to go where where the brand of Arkansas becomes diminished because you've scheduled somebody in state, and 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 again it 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 doesn't diminish you by scheduling UAPB losing to Arkansas State in in football. Yeah, that would be something that be that'd be pretty. I don't. I don't know how you would quantify what that would mean, but it's take it's taking something that's happening, first of all, in two years, from outside the university system that we're talking about, and projecting it to something that's completely different. I understand that what what you're saying about people would have never thought you'd even be scheduling the schools that you've now scheduled, but now you ha- but now you have your policy in place. Now you can say we're scheduling in-state schools. We don't need to schedule any others. There's no point to it any longer. The debate is over. And let the Arkansas State fans complain about what they want to complain about, like they've like 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 has been happening for years and years. You don't have to go off the policy that you have. There's there's really no pressure to do so. I don't think there is. We finally found something to disagree upon, Ty. It I think this has months. been our most heated argument. Let me say one more thing because I know we're coming up on a break. Wichita State in Kansas, there's a reason these guys don't play regular season. I know Wichita State has their up and downs with the program, but they've been really, really good under Craig Marshall. You think Bill Self is trying to schedule them each year, every year, year after time soon? Right, but they've, they also but they also have to play an in-state school every year based upon their conference. So it's not like, you know, hey, we're not avoiding anybody. We play somebody else inside well, that, the But state. that's required of them, Phil, because they're in that conference. I honestly think they can't in basketball, not football, because their football program's a joke. We'll see what happens with less miles. But they would avoid, and that's kind of what's happened with Arkansas because of Arkansas's non-success on the football field and the fact that Arkansas State has had good teams under Gus Malzahn, under Hugh Freeze, and now Blake Anderson. I would genuinely, like, they should be scared to play Arkansas State. If they would have played Arkansas State last year, they would have gotten their teeth kicked in. It would have been embarrassing. It would have probably been, I know the loss to Citadel in 92 under Jack, I think it's 92 under Jack Crow was bad. That would have been the most embarrassing football loss in Arkansas history had they played Arkansas State lost them last year. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at PhilElsonPXP and at Ty Sports Radio. And it's Joe Adams with a hurdle. Great speed. Adams down the sideline. He's gone. 92 yards for a touchdown. You just never quite know when Teach is going to spring a pop quiz. And that's what's happened today on Halftime Homework. Oh, I'm I don't trust this kid any further than I could throw him. I got a question. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? Get out of my class. Out, get out. I was still thinking of going back to school. I do my homework now. The Millennial versus the Middle-Aged. It's time for Halftime Homework. I get so jazzed up for this for this segment, Ty. Oh, it's I, my favorite segment by far, and I'm so glad we. And I liked the old one. What was the the cash? Something to do with money. You spent. You what? spent what? I right. like that, but this was just this fits us better, Phil. I think it does. I think it does, and I feel like I'm. I feel like uh, like, and you don't take this. Don't take this the wrong way. I feel like I'm teaching you more than you're teaching me. Would that be fair? I mean, I feel like I'm giving you a little bit more out of out of out of the '80s and the '90s and a little bit of the '70s than I could have in, in any other in any other way. That might be the most truthful thing you've said on the program since okay. its inception, and it's not even close. That's like by a mile. It's a because I have a lot more to learn than you do when it comes to your generation, and my generation. Because as flawed as my generation is, you probably want to stay away from most things. But I, I I tell you all the time, I was born in the wrong era, and this. This segment that we continuously do every Thursday is just more evidence of that. But what I, what, what I think it's helping me with is it helps me understand, you know, your generation a little bit better. And there that's learning. That's learning. That's teaching while, while being taught at the same time. So I think that's one reason it works. Uh, so I'm also a really bad student because uh, I didn't watch 21 Jump Street. And I, I, I looked into watching it last night. I didn't feel like paying the four bucks for the rental. Um, so I, I could have watched old 21 Jump Street because that is free on your Amazon Prime, but uh, I didn't watch it much when it came out. And, hey, I'm not supposed to be watching this stuff out of the 80s and the 90s. It's Ty that's watching that stuff. It'd be uh, a so, lot cooler if you did. <laughs> but you know what I did watch? I watched um, uh, Game Night with Jason Bateman. Uh, and that that's that's on HBO Go right now, and okay. it, that was that was a pretty entertaining movie. I, I feel like Jason Bateman plays the same character in everything he's in. 
in everything. Stressed out, dad mode. Snarky yeah. when he needs to be snarky. Yeah, exactly. But it, it was entertaining. I don't know if that was would be something you would assign to me or not, but uh, I guess I self-assigned it. That's okay. I watched that movie a couple months ago. Rachel McAdams is in that, and... Who's the who's his brother in that movie? It's uh, it's, it's Eric Taylor's the guy from uh from Wolf on Rolf Street who's the uh the FBI guy and I can't think of his name for the life of me but he was Eric Taylor from Friday Night Lights Coach Taylor but yeah it's a good movie I I thought it was funny uh, have you seen have you seen Tag Tag's very similar and haven't seen Tag okay all right. But yeah, a little disappointing, you man. I, I I was excited for Twenty One Jump Street for you, but yeah, but 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 I was more excited to get a, to get the reactions of some of the foods that I that I assigned to you for that were '80s foods, or at least like if they weren't invented in the '80s, then they kind of exploded in popularity in the '80s, or maybe it's just that's what I associate the taste of the '80s with. So, all right, I don't. Were you able to do the uh, the Coke and Pop Rocks together? All right, so here's a funny story. Back when I was a kid. Pop Rocks at one point in time got laced. Like a certain batch, there was some that was like lacing them with some bad drugs. So I was don't eat the don't eat the brown Pop Rocks. Yeah, I was forbidden by my dad to eat or purchase Pop Rocks when I was at a certain. <laughs> and I can't remember wow. how old I was, but there there was like a big phenomenon concerning Pop Rocks. So I had I, I'm not a fan even with the Coke, and I like Coke. I I just that's not my thing. We're gonna go down the list. Jolt Coke or Jolt Cola? I almost said Coke. Jolt Cola got one of those suckers at Dollar General yesterday. I was walking around, I couldn't find it because it wasn't in the drink section. It was in the snack section of all places, and so it's on the bottom shelf. It's just this like classic '80s looking cola can. So go to, uh, the does cash- it does it still say all the sugar twice the caffeine? Yep, exactly. It does. It's the blue can. It's got a yellow lightning stripe and I think the red outline for it. I got home, put it in the freezer for a little bit, started watching TJ Hooker. I there felt, you go. I felt, oh, my gosh. I felt like Phil Elson because I was watching TJ Hooker and drinking a Jolt Cola. Throw a Pop-Tart in the toaster. Do that. So did that. On your uh, on your planter's cheese balls, man, I told you this. I'm just not – that's not my – that's not my thing. I don't like any Cheetos-related product, whether it's off-brand, whether it's planters, whatever it may be. I don't know if it's the texture or the taste. Hey, I'm just I'm, not a fan. I'm always good. I'm always good for a round, rough snack that could scratch your tongue a little bit and give you that cheese flavor kind of mixed in there with the blood. One of the snacks I did enjoy is Cool Ranch Doritos, and I have yet to find a Dorito flavor that beats out Cool Ranch. I know nacho cheese was the original, and typically I'm on the belief that the original of something is the best. More movies, it seems like that seems to be the case. Yeah, but, but not- Cool yeah, Cool Ranch was the original alternate. Yeah, and that's what you said came out secondary to nacho cheese, and yet it's better. And again, I, I think you and I are the same. We both agree the originals of stuff most of the time is the better option, but not in this case. Cool Ranch Doritos are incredible. Do you ever put those things on your sandwiches? I don't do it anymore because I don't really eat chips or deli meat sandwiches, but back in the day, I would just dump my Cool Ranch Doritos bag on my sandwich and eat it like that. Hey, they're they're delicious. It's like I mean, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's the opposite of the nacho cheese, which is yeah. And look, I love the nacho cheese flavor, but the, the Cool Ranch Doritos was was like a revolution, a revolution in tastes, and that led to all of the crazy flavors that we get now. So I'm glad you were able to experience that. What else? Now, all right. So I gave you a couple of drinks. Jolt was one. The other was more of a '90s drink. It's not out of the '80s, and it's and it's and it's an alcoholic beverage. Zima. Which was the which is the malt liquor that tastes like Sprite? Did you? These are tough to find. Yeah, they are out at Walmart, which is a bummer, and they really don't sell it anywhere else in this area. Which I was I was kind of bummed about because I wanted to try both drinks, uh, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to try Zima. But no, I have Blue Big League Chew, and again, I told you this. That was one of those things where you thought you were cool as a kid because you felt like you're putting a, a, a lip in a little. Little dip in, and it was just bubble gum. But it just like the texture and the how you did it. You always felt like you're putting in like baseball players doing it. So that's I, I do like big league chew, but unfortunately I haven't had Zima yet. It's great. It's just great promoting you know tobacco use through chewing gum. I just love it. 
That's got, really well done. Got to so, do it. Very well done. So what? Uh, what else did I? Was that all the foods I assigned? I think it was. Let's get but back to T.J. Hooker. Though. I was going to say this is all you. You drank your jolt while you were watching T.J. Hooker with Heather Locklear in a police outfit. What else needs to be said, right? Fantastic show, and you thought. I wouldn't think it holds up today. I'm going to be honest. I watched the entire 45-minute episode yesterday, and I really enjoyed it. It was I watched A Matter of Passion, where he finds the, the dead girl on the beach and then ends up going after the only... I don't know the actor's name, but it's the Animal House Dean that plays the Dean in Animal House. Dean Warmer. I, again, I don't know the actor's name, but he ends up arresting, and I, I think he kills him at the end. No, he just catches him in the boat. But I liked it. It was kind of... Baywatchy in cops type. That's the vibe I got. It's kind of sure. Baywatchy, kind of goofy '80s humor that was shoved into a cop uniform. But I enjoyed it, and I think it was fun. I told you about this before the show. I love how all of these shows or movies that you're assigning me, it goes back to one of your childhood crushes. Whether it's Heather Locklear and T.J. Hooker, whether it's Kelly Lynch in Roadhouse, Ali Sheedy in War Games, Joyce Heiser and just one of the guys. These are just you're opening up my mind, Phil, to, to some of the most beautiful women that I've ever watched or seen that I didn't even know existed. With the flowiest hair. Exactly. Because that was, and the biggest shoulder pads and all of that, yes. That's a thing. I, I didn't realize how many crushes I had as a, as a kid growing up. Hey, I could, I, I mean, I can name, obviously there's one that I've told you about many times, but I can name like probably 20 that I can name just growing up as a, as a kid different. Because you just go through phases, man. That's part of it. Okay, and then and then there was the pop culture portion, the music portion yeah. that that I assigned to you, and I was just so excited about about Hall and Oates, and and part of it was because the the tickets went on sale for the concert at the Arena with No Teams in North Little Rock uh, last Friday, and it just got me it got me back on on their greatest hits, and it, it it's like it's it's bringing it brought me back and i'm just really proud to pass it along to you what do you think of hall and oats oh it's fantastic and i told you that there is a hall and oats cover band in the movie she's out of my league which is one of my favorite movies and i didn't understand that reference at the time but after you brought it up last week and i started listening to the songs i was thinking to myself man i, I like these songs the five that i liked the most were man eater rich girl you make my dreams private eyes and kiss on my list those are the five out of the 15 or so that I listened to that really stuck with me and that I really enjoyed. And then I'll actually, I I can't remember which one I added to my Spotify playlist. I might have added two, but I liked it. That's like a big deal. If I add something to my Spotify playlist, you know you've done a good job and you did a good job of signing this band, Phil. Glad to pass that along to you. Okay, then you can't get those songs out of your head, by the way. They stay for oh, they years. Do. They do. Those, yeah. are, those are total earworms. You might have to make an appearance at the at the uh, the Hall and Oates concert. We'll see if we find an extra ticket. When is that around. again? October? No, it's in September. September. It's, it's the same month that Weird Al Yankovic is playing at That's Verizon. Right. I mean, it's just like I don't even know how to handle this. These are two. These are two of my favorite acts. Talk about opposite ends of the spectrum, too. By the way, Weird Al with Hall and Oates. I don't think he ever. I don't think Weird Al ever ever covered a Hall and Oates song, which is just sad to think about. He should have had at least two or three of them. So. I think it's funny because I would love to go with you. I don't know if you're going with the lovely lady to both of those or you're just going to do one or the other, but that is just smack dab in the middle of the busiest. This is the busiest part of your schedule. Actually, it's probably a little over a month ago with women's basketball still playing and baseball, but that is like smack dab in the middle of football season, so I'm not going to have any free time, unfortunately. But, hey, let's make it in this next year or so. Let's go to... Let's go to a concert where you pick out the band that was a big part of your childhood or when you were growing up, college, whatever it may be, and that'll really, you talk about a bonus homework assignment where I'll earn extra bonus points. I think that would take it overboard in me earning extra credit for me actually to go to a concert with you that was such a big part of your childhood. Might get, might get closer to graduation, there you you know, which is really what this was all about. It's just matriculating up the ladder of education through pop culture and get you closer to uh, finally graduating, getting that sheepskin. Uh, all right, so um, let's get a look at the assignments for this next week. So I'm staying with some music for you. And all right, I don't know if you. I asked you earlier if you've heard of this of this of this artist. You know him, but you don't know his music, perhaps. But I have a feeling you know this song. You've at least heard this. You put the boom, boom, 
this sound familiar at all to you? No, Betty. No? Came, okay. Be- Betty just right. came in here. Betty knows exactly who this is. Betty knows. Betty, you know who this is, right? She's Betty, said, Betty says it's Wham from George Michael. Yeah, this is Wham, and it's a it's an iconic oh. song from the eighties. <laughs> it's an iconic video from the eighties in which uh, George Michael and his bandmate, who was the who was always known as the other guy from Wham, okay, is are wearing white outfits with T-shirts that say "Choose Life." And you hear this at so many different so many different celebrations. I'm gonna be honest, man. Like I recognize Hall and Oates. I don't recognize, and that's bad. That's I mean, that's on me being a, a young dumb millennial. But I honestly don't recognize this song. So this song is called "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." Okay. And this is probably the biggest hit that George Michael had with Wham. But there's two, there's there's like you know two or three different sections of his career, and it started with Wham. But then he he really th- this this was the album that put him in the stratosphere, and it's all it's all on one album put together, and it starts with this. You don't know this song, I'm pretty sure. This is Faith. Which is also the name of the album. This is not just an iconic album of the 80s. It's one of the greatest pop albums that has ever been made. This song is Faith. I think you'll love this song. It's actually got a great lesson to it of trying to trust yourself and get out of a relationship that's not good for you. Even though you think it might be at that moment, you got to have faith in yourself. So, like this one, is that what you're referring to? It's like, yeah, you would be exactly. <laughs> I got to have some faith that eventually I'll find a better co-host. Yeah, seriously, I'm a parasite on you at this point. You're just trying to get away, and I won't let you. But the reason that I got into this, oh, that's such a great song, and he's playing the guitar too. It's a great video. The reason I even brought up George Michael is because. Um, I went on, uh, I was a guest on The Buzz in Little Rock um, Tuesday, and, you know, Bubba, my my broadcast partner for baseball, I made a first impression of him that I'm never going to shake, because he he always associates me with the song Careless Whisper, which also was a a song by Wham! It's it's a sexy-sounding song with a sad overtone to it. That 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 the that they play for visitors during batting practice at Baumwalker Stadium because it's not what anybody would want to listen to while they're taking batting practice, but they do this for that reason. So I brought it up in the first ever broadcast that Bubba and I did together. I was he said you know I just thought got a kick out of they played Careless Whisper during during Bucknell's batting practices. What song is that? So I sang a little bit of it to him on the air because this song made an imprint with me. Okay, I, I do know this song. You know this song. Yeah. Anything with this much saxophone is going to be a sexy song. Okay, yeah, I do know this. I can, I can vouch for this song. Oh, just listen to this. this. Is, and if you can oh watch the video God. too, if you can watch the video as well, because there's a lot of there's a lot of yacht shots on the on this video. Yeah, this would make me uncomfortable. In batting practice, or warming up in the layup line, or, or something how about like your that. radio partner singing it to you during a baseball game? Would that make a first impression that you'd have a little difficulty shaking? Just, uh, yeah, just it would stay with me for a little bit. <laughs> That's why. So Bubba always associates me with Careless Whisper. He thinks at any moment I could just break out in song and say to him, "I'm never gonna dance again. Fifty feet, I got no rhythm." See what I mean? I'm scarring you at this very moment, Ty. Oh, man. Jeez, Louise. So that's your assignment is to at least you got to listen to Careless Whisper. you got to listen to Faith. And you got to listen to Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. And then maybe you'll find another George Michael song on the playlist to get to get with. All right. For whatever reason, you wanted me to assign you a millennial food, even though I typically shy away from those type of menus. So I'm going to give you something. I know we've talked about it before. But I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't think I've ever assigned it to you. So there's this new sensation sprucing out in Fayetteville, Arkansas, called mamica. It's just like rice type bowl, fruit type bowl. I really don't know how to describe it. 
stepsister is a huge fan. Goes there all the time, at least once a week. So there's it's, one. There is a place that's dedicated to Mamika in Fayetteville. Yeah, it's just called Mamika, and it's it's pretty close to it. It's it's maybe a quarter mile from Hill Place, so you really don't have an excuse for not going there sometime next week because okay. it is genuinely right there. Heck, oh, well, I was going to say you could go after the show, but you're doing it out exit. There'd be that would not be di- or that would be difficult. So you got to try Mamika. That's your millennial food item that I'm making you try, even though I'm not that big of a fan, just because it's not my thing. That's hilarious. You're sending me. <laughs> you're like the guy who says, "Man, this stuff tastes like garbage." Here, you want to try well, it? Well, that's you. You told me to assign you to millennial food. That is the most millennial type of food that I can think of. And it's you're going to be surrounded by a bunch of college girls. It's 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 going to be really funny. You need to send me a video of you walking in and you just be the only. So even in that situation, phone will eat first, correct? Yeah, do it, man. It's it's a pretty pic. You'll get a pretty picture out of it. All right, the music. We're not doing a movie this week for either of us, but the music that I want you to listen to because you kind of requested that of me is a John Neighbors favorite. It's Casey Musgraves, who is Ooh, just okay. A bre- I've heard a couple of hers. She's yeah. fantastic really good got a really distinct voice very pretty and she just she's got it going on right now i i, can't, I know she just won some musical award thing and i can't think of what it was but listen to her fewer versants her top ones she's just really good and i, and I think you'll uh, i'm not gonna say 100 percent you'll like her because i know country music's not exactly your cup of tea but i i think you'll be interested in her at least to listen to her a couple songs all right very good that'll work Subscribe to Hit That Line on iTunes. You're listening to the Halftime Pod. Swung on, up the middle for a base hit. And you can't put this one to bed. The Razorbacks come back and walk on. Andy, thanks for a minute of your time today. How's it going today? Uh, Going well. How are you? Doing great. Enjoy the podcast with Eric Musselman and Chris Beard. Uh, I found a little irony in both of them being on the show at the same time because those were the, those were two of the names that were bandied about so much during the coaching search uh, in which Eric Musselman became the head coach. So let me ask you, when after Mike Anderson was let go at Arkansas, did you immediately associate that there would be a possibility or that, that Eric Musselman would land at Arkansas? Did you put him on a short list? Actually, no, um, because I thought Musselman would head more west. Um, you know, I think that uh, if UCLA had made a strong run at him, I wouldn't have been shocked if he had gone there. For whatever reason, that didn't happen. Um, and so I thought that, you know, that was going to be sort of either there or, um, you know, would he, would he go to the Pac-12? Uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember the timing of all this. When Cal was open, um, which ended up being at Mark Fox, the former Georgia coach. So there was, I, I kind of felt like he would stay west, even though he was in the SEC at one point with LSU. Um, you know, the opening never occurred, nor did I think it was going to occur at Minnesota uh, with Richard Pitino. I didn't think that would happen. But, um, you know, at some point, if he ever left, was that going to be a place where, because his, you know, father had, his late father had coached there. So, you know, I, I just didn't put one and one together with Arkansas. Uh, and also, to be honest, I thought if, if anything, um, you know, their number one target might have been Kelvin Sampson, but then Houston stepped up, obviously, and kept him. But I still was always confident that Arkansas would get someone of the caliber of Eric Musselman, and that's what they did. Well, and and now that there's some time to settle in, and you've already spoken with with Eric about you know the expectations and how he could recruit to Arkansas, does it seem like it's a fit that makes sense? Yes, because first of all, I'm not a uh, I I don't believe in that everything's a ge- you know geographical fit, and for that you know for your fans that are listening, that's why I thought I was actually in the minority that I think Mike Anderson could do great things at St. John's. You know, everyone's like, oh, how could he go to St. John's? He's never coached in the Northeast. He's been at, you know, Missouri and Arkansas and UAB. But uh, he can coach. And it's a style I think would play well in New York. And if you get the right staff and you can get the right players, and that's the same thing. I don't care where Eric Musselman coaches. He can coach. He's got tremendous energy. And he, he's been able to get players and buy in. And, you know, it, it's very loose. It, it's sort of... Um, uh, I wouldn't. I don't want to say too loose because I don't want there to get an impression that you know it's sort of the in, that, that no one's running anything. Um, I've been to his practices; they're definitely controlled, and he's intense and he's demanding. But he also gives them a lot of freedom, 
And now this old, this group in, in Reno this last two years, they were an older group, so there was no question that he could trust them more. Um, and I think if he can build that kind of relationship, if he can get older players at Arkansas, then that's what you'll see. You'll see a very loose group, which is kind of the way, by the way, Chris Beer runs his program at Texas Tech, too, where there's a trust there. I'm going to be demanding. You're going to work hard, but I'm also going to let you guys be you and be individuals and do what you want to do in terms of what you want to listen to, how you want to dress, and as long as you're all in with me, you know, we're good to go. And I think you're going to see that with Arkansas. Andy Katz, NCAA.com correspondent. Andy, you get a chance to talk with these college kids weekly. How much do you think Eric Musselman's NBA background is going to help him bring in four- and five-star players to come play at Arkansas? Well, I, I think it will, but I also will tell you that, um, and I think this is a good example with these coaches that we've just mentioned here, and I think there are some similarities with Beard and Musselman. Uh, obviously, Musselman has, you know, has had more success in a longer period of time, uh, maybe not to the level that Chris just experienced with the national championship game. But it doesn't. I, I guess I would say we would, don't all have to get hung up on the the ratings because you know there has to be some trust in that they believe what they see in terms of a player who can deliver for them, work within the way they want to play. And then ultimately, because of that, we'll get elevated. And I think, you know, when he, if you want to say Jared Culver is a great example of that, I mean, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't not highly rare, but he wasn't like a top five guy who goes to Texas Tech and now he helps lead him to the national championship game and he's going to be, you know, a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. I mean, that kind of development that they did at Texas Tech, same thing at Nevada. Now, the Martin Twins and Jordan Caroline may not go as high, but, you know, they also. Uh, you know, bounce around from NC State. The Martin Twins, Caroline uh, was at Southern Illinois, and then he comes out there, and yet they became this great unit, elevated their own draft status because of the way they played in Nevada. So uh, I, I think that same kind of thing will happen. Um, ultimately, when you're at a place like Arkansas, you have more resources, you're in the SEC, you're on television more, at a higher level in terms of more of a reach. So you have, you know, an ability to get a higher level player, uh, and I still think they can. It's got a great name. And there's obviously more talent in the region than he had in Reno. Andy, at one point in time, Arkansas was mentioned in the same breath as a Duke, as a UNLV, as a Michigan. Some of the premier basketball programs that are still going on today, even like in North Carolina and Kansas, but they have taken an absolute just pitfall since about the middle 90s, late 90s. Do you think Arkansas, out of just a lot of blue blood programs at one point, have had the biggest college basketball drop-off since the 1990s? Oh, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, has there been a drop-off? Yeah. Um, but they didn't change. They didn't go to a, a lesser league. Um, you know, UNLV is not the same anymore at all. Um, so, you know, there was a time when Memphis was like that. Then they popped back up with Cal, and now they're back down, and we'll see if they can pop back up with Penny. Um, so... You know, Arkansas is always going to have that safety net because they're in the SEC. Uh, so they have an ability to climb back up quicker. And we've seen that recently now with Tennessee. We'll see if Auburn can sustain it uh, after this past season. There's no question that the interest in the sport in the SEC, there's only one school that has as much, if not more, and that's Kentucky. Um, so they, they're, they're buying in at the right, you know, I mean, I mean the, everything's there for them to succeed. And let's see if Eric can tap it. And I mean, I hope you guys agree. I mean, it's not like the program, you know, was uh, at the bottom. I mean, obviously Anderson had some good years. Uh, they made the tournament, you know, a decent amount. weren't able to get deep. Uh, and we'll see if Eric can take it that next step. But it, you know, it's not like what what is now happening at Vanderbilt, where uh, Stackhouse had to take over an 0 18 team. Um, you know, what even Bruce Pearl had to do at Auburn because uh, they were at the bottom uh, under Tony Barbie. So, you know, there's definitely a higher ceiling in Arkansas, but it's good that they're not taking it, that he's not taking it over at a point like at the bottom. Speaking with Andy Katz right now here on Halftime, Andy, let's kind of bridge off that thought. There were some fans and even some administration that, that Arkansas had success under Mike Anderson, but at one point in time, it seemed like after years uh, this year, they plateaued. 
Do you think Arkansas, after eight seasons, or excuse me, nine seasons, plateaued after under Mike Anderson? Um, I don't know if I'd say plateaued. Um, you know, I, I would say it was, a, I'm trying to remember if it was two or three years ago when they probably could have gone further than they did, which, which I will say this, that as we have seen with Virginia is a great example, the 180 they pulled, judging everything on the tournament, you know, probably is not the right thing to do, even though we're all caught up in it, uh, because it is so hard and you have to be so lucky to advance. And then I'll just use Virginia again. I mean, they were dead in the water against Purdue, Auburn, and to some extent Texas Tech, and they win the national championship. And now everything's completely turned around. Um, you know, they were down at halftime to Gardner-Webb. Imagine if they lost that game two years in a row. The whole thing would have imploded. So it's more about the regular season success, getting into the tournament on a regular basis, um, and not going being on the bubble constantly. So I think in that regard... Yeah, there's no question that that I'm sure caused a lot of tense times that they were, you know, kind of bubblicious a lot uh, on one side or the other. But um, and and but but I still think also that it, that it was good that there weren't like major issues. Um, you know, sometimes you're at a place for a long time, close to ten years, and everyone gets a little tired of each other, and you move on from either. That coach's decision or the staff or the administration's decision and change is not bad. So, uh, you know, it could have been a case of that as well. I, I mean, this was not a situation where a change had to be made. Um, I don't think they were completely going in the wrong direction in any way, but it may be the change that was made will help all parties involved. And I think this also, you know, for those that are fans of Mike Anderson, I think him getting a new start in New York completely you know, sort of different spot in the country, I think will be refreshing for him as well. So, Andy, what are the chances that you make good on uh, Eric Musselman's invite to Fayetteville, a city you've not been to? you got to experience, uh, you know, a, a, a packed house at Bud Walton Arena and, and what that's like because it is, it is unique. Why well, haven't you made it to Fayetteville yet? You know what? This is crazy because – and I can't guarantee next season – but I will get there during Musselman, and maybe it will be next season. We haven't plotted that out yet, obviously. It's a little early. But, you know, in my career, when I, I was working in newspapers out west in the uh, early to mid-'90s when Arkansas was winning and competing for national championships. So I wasn't a national guy then until the late, till 99. And, you know, then for whatever reason, even with, you know, for a long time at ESPN, I just never got assigned a game at Arkansas. I did see Arkansas, but never on the ro- uh, at home. And so when I think about of the power six schools, um, I, I have to think off the top of my head. I know it is one of, on one hand, uh, I think it's Arkansas, Penn State, and uh, actually I can tell you, it's Arkansas, Penn State, Virginia Tech, and Florida State. I think those are the four schools in power conferences that I've never been to. Um, so... Uh, obviously I need to cross those off my list and, uh, you know, just whatever reason, I just missed it. And so I got to get there. <laughs> well, Fayetteville is more fun than those other three cities combined. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see, we'll see up in Fayetteville over the next two years. Andy, it's really, I really appreciate you stopping by with us today. Always enjoy your work and hopefully we can do this again. All right. Thanks. And for those that didn't see the interview, you can check it out on our March Madness social media platforms or on NCAA.com. Like the Halftime Pod? Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast at hitthatline.com.